Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. This is Jamie D and Big Newt. I'm Jamie D'Amico. He's Big Chris Newton. What up, though? Big Newt. We got the first weekend of NFL action under our belts. How does that feel? Man, I was ecstatic all weekend. Like I told y'all, I mean, I'm a Notre Dame fan. Notre Dame plus Duke in the mouth. That felt good. There was fans in the stands. I felt the atmosphere. And then just to wake up early Sunday morning, Watching NFL game day and all the pundits talking about the game, it, it felt good to have football back, dude. I was so happy. It did. And then the Buffalo Bills go in there and they just put a walloping on the New York Jets. That was that was lovely to see. It, you know, the 27 to 17 score was not indicative of how close that game actually was because the Bills really steamrolled them all throughout, even though the the score doesn't necessarily show it. But, you know, if you had two more made field goals, possibly another touchdown, these are all things that could have easily happened. That score would have been huge. Yeah, man, it felt good. We had dominant performance offensively and defensively. And shout out to the special teams, man. I mean, hey, we had some pretty good returns from Andre Roberts. He did great in the return game. So, all three phases, man, I loved it. Um, and and I, you know, we we talked about Bass the kicking. I mean, he's a young guy; it was his first game. I mean, we'll he'll get it together. So that was probably the minus. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, Andre Roberts, he returned five punts for sixty nine yards, averaging thirteen point eight yards, and he just seemed like he was a step or two away from breaking a couple of those, didn't he? Oh, man, and it feels so good, man, because those are hitting yardage, and you need those, man, and, and it, it uh, helps us with field positioning. And, uh, yeah, man, like you said, every time he touched it, I was excited. I'm thinking, hey, he might take this to the house. He returned one kick for 31 yards, and, you know, one of the reasons that the Bills brought in some additional special teamers this year, guys that have really the, the special teams background like Medikevich and uh, Taiwan Jones, um, Reggie Gillum, and they've talked up Dean Marlowe and Saran Neal, and just they, they were talking about how with the addition of just a couple more of these guys that they think they can bust one or two open this season for Andre Roberts. And like you said, it's found yardage. If he's returning every punt, 13, 14 yards. Yeah. That takes a lot of heat off of your offense. Um, did you ever play on special teams when you were playing? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Early on, man. That's all I did, man. My uh, freshman year, you put all the freshmen out there on special teams and I actually played uh, one of the upbacks on punt, and so we ran a couple of fakes, and I got a couple first downs doing that. And when they kick it short on kickoff return, I got a couple uh, kickoff returns for about 10, 15 yards where I just plowed over people. So, you know, <laughs> yes. Special teams are important, man, in college, but it's even more important in pros. If you're second string, man, you can have a great career, and that'll keep you around longer if you're able to do special teams. Yeah. And 
Corey Bajorquez, the much maligned Corey Bajorquez over the previous two seasons, one punt for 53 yards. He booted it, man. And I was happy to see that. He seems to be playing with a lot more confidence than than he did last year. The way they even talked about him in camp is that he was kicking the ball really well. Now, Tyler Bass, we asked the question last week, is he going to make it through the season as the Bills kicker? Hey, man, like I said earlier, I understand where fans be like, uh, we need to get Hauschka on the line right now because, I mean, you really don't – a regular kicker wouldn't really survive missing two fairly easy field goals. Um, there's no fans in the uh, building. I don't know what the winds. I know it was a little wet out there. But, uh, yeah, if he has another performance like that, I don't know if he's going to survive it. So if he gets cut, would you help him move? I mean, he's fresh out of college, so he probably doesn't have a lot of furniture. And the stuff he does have, I mean, it's probably Ikea. So would you give him a hand? No, I mean, I'm not at that. I would give him a hand if he needed it, but I'm not at that point with it yet. I mean, this weekend was very, it wasn't stressful. So it wasn't like the games on the line. But, you know, it's kind of like I'm looking at him side eye, like, hey, <laughs> hey, all right, now you, you gave you this mulligan now. You have another two field goal miss game. You miss an extra point or something. We're going to have to get my boy back on the line. So, no, nah, he's a young guy. I mean, he probably was overwhelmed. So I just chalk it up to that. But, yeah, I mean, he can't have another game like that, I don't think. Yeah, probably not. I'm going to go on a complete tangent here. Did you know that I was an intern for a few years with uh, with a minor league baseball team? I did not know that. Yeah, I was an intern with the Rochester Red Wings. They got my foot in the door uh, when I was a senior in high school. Uh, I was a stadium character called Waste Man. It was a promotional character for waste management, and I would run across the field and collect people's garbage. And they knew that I was going to be a sports management major in college. So they um, they offered to let me be an intern in addition to being waste man uh, my second year. And that season, uh, I had the privilege of driving one of the players to the airport who had just been sent down from AAA to AA. Now, the Red Wings were affiliated with the Baltimore Orioles at the time. And at that point, the Orioles farm system was stocked, especially in bullpen arms. They had guys like um, uh, Armando Benitez and Esteban Yan, both guys who became closers uh, at various points. And Benitez was actually particularly good. Anyway, the guy who gets sent down to double A is named Joe Borowski. And this guy is livid. And there's 20-year-old me like... Well, you know, it could be a blessing in disguise as if like me naming off like a stupid cliche to this professional athlete who just like is having his dreams shattered is going to make any difference. Oh, my God. Hey, I have a story like that, too. When I, I had a cup of coffee in the Arena Football League for the New Jersey Red Dogs back in 1997-98. And so when they cut me, I was like, and they was like, well, where do you want to go? We'll fly you back to wherever you want to go. And I'm like, I'm not going back to St. Louis and face all my friends. I was like, but damn, should I just fly to Hawaii and just chill on the beach for a little while? Like, where should I go? Should I go to my friends, go to Louisiana, go to Florida and hang out for a little while? Like, I was just tail between your legs. So it's just funny how people react to getting released. And um, 
I don't know if you watch uh, Hard Knocks, but they're, they uh, the first episode, they was cutting people for the Chargers. And uh, one guy was living and just cussing and going off on the coach. And the coach was like, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm glad that he cares, but you act like you cold or something, dude. Like, don't act like that. So they kind of made a made jokes about it. And that's uh, the head coach out there is uh, – former Buffalo Bill uh, intern coach, which was uh, Anthony Lynn. Yes. So the follow-up on my story is three years later, Joe Borowski was the closer for the Chicago Cubs where he played for like four or five years. So he ended up having a good major league career. Oh, that's good. Yeah, turns out I was right. It was a blessing in disguise. He went down to double A. He got more innings and then somebody traded for him because they're like, hey, we think this guy can throw. Yeah, another man's treasure. Another man's treasure. That's what they say. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I know. But in hindsight, like trying to make him feel better with a cliche, yeah, that that didn't get me too far. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the topic at hand, which is some of the things we liked and some of the things maybe we didn't like about this game of the past weekend: the Bills versus the Jets, right here on Jamie D and Big Newt. So, Big Newt. Outside of the special teams stepping it up, what else did you like? Okay, uh, first, of course, we're going to probably start every uh, good and bad with Josh Allen in the quarterback play. Yeah. And so I listened to all the post game last night. I listened to all the pundits this morning, and it's a mixed bag. You know, and a lot of people saying that he had a career day, which he did. I even tweeted yep. it out. He was a top five passer this week. If he could stay that way, hey, I'm all in with him. But it ha- the other side of me is saying that that's probably the worst pass defense he's going to play against, and he was supposed to do that. He was supposed to have a career day. So I would probably give Josh Allen, I would give him a B if he didn't have those two costly fumbles. Sure. So – I'm giving him, but he's he, he did better than C. I can't give I can't give a career day a C. So I give him a B minus. He had two costly fumbles, okay, and then uh, the pass to Beasley over the middle. If he hits him in stride, that's a touchdown. Yeah. And then we all remember the John Brown end zone. My ten year old son that plays flag football for the Woolridge Wildcats could make that throw. I mean, and I know you're not going to hit every throw, but he wasn't under duress. He had a, it was play action pass. He had a clear vision. All he had to do was turn and lobby, and he just threw it over his head. Like when I see that, he almost made me throw up. I almost threw my chicken wings up. You know, <laughs> so I he played well. A lot, of, a lot of the passes. Now we're digging deep. A lot of the passes um, that he made was screen passes. It was design plays. And Brian Dable did an excellent job drawing up. I love the formations. I love the motions. I love the screen uh, game. But, I mean, with that team, I feel like you just got a three-step drop, get it out. Five-step drop and just tear their butts apart. We shouldn't have to out-scheme the Jets. We shouldn't have put anything on tape for the Jets. So that's why I give it a B-. minus. So – Josh Allen also overthrew Dawson Knox in the end zone when when Stephon Diggs was standing there pointing at Knox. And those two plays, those two overthrows, and even the one, the touchdown pass to John Brown, which uh, was was a bad throw. It was at his feet, but it still got there. So no harm, no foul. Right. 
the issue with those passes were entirely mechanical and that can be fixed. Yes. Josh Allen needs to slow down. And here was the issue with the mechanics on those. He was running to his left. He then tried to turn his upper body and throw across his body from the momentum that he had going to the sideline. Now, I know this from being a, a loyal YouTube subscriber to Cover One and CoverOne.net. Eric Turner and Greg Thompson do an amazing job of breaking down film there. And this is where I learned this. In order for a quarterback to be accurate, his hind leg, the foot on his back leg, the arch has to be pointing at the receiver. And on both of those passes, Josh's instep was facing the sideline as opposed to downfield. So his base was turned 90 degrees off from the direction it should have been. What all he needed to do was just set his feet, take another half second, one or two more steps to set himself. And he would have made those plays. He, he was, he was rushing. And, uh, you know, that's why they didn't get there. If he can just believe in what he's seeing and understand that it's, you know, he doesn't have to rush through a play, those are completed passes. Those are touchdowns. We need to get you to be a quarterback coach, man. I love the analysis, man. Oh, thank you. Three angles and everything. Love oh, it. I, I learned a lot of that from, uh, from our own Bruce exclusive too. <laughs> nice. So, Josh Allen did complete 71% of his, almost 72% of his passes. Yeah. Two touchdowns. And there was a vast improvement in his ability to complete those screen passes and uh, the, the short three-step drops. I was very encouraged by that. He had a high uh, completion percentage, and that's good. I mean, and once again, I don't want to uh, backhand slap him. I mean, he had a good day, career day. I just think he was supposed to do that. So I don't get too high on it. I'm just like, okay, check. Like, we checked it off. Like, okay, good job. Let's go on to Miami. But um, it, I knew going into it, we talked about this last week, that we were going to have difficulties running against their front, and we did. Yes. But at the same time, too, though, I don't like the fact that he had to run so much and put himself in harm's way. We shouldn't have to do all that to beat the Jets. The Jets, is not, the Jets are probably going to win four games this year. All right, so I wish we could have just lined up and just overpowered them and just win and get out healthy. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't, I don't really think much of them, and I really don't think much of Miami, to tell you the truth. But, and you know what? I, I've got some egg on my face because I was touting the Jets and Miami as being much better than last year, and after seeing the Jets, I was 100% wrong about that. They're, they're terrible. Yeah, yeah. However, Marcus May, their safety was a freaking man-child out there. That guy was everywhere. He was. He was. He looked good. But I'm going to tell you what, for the Jets team, I feel, and I know a lot of y'all probably don't like this, but I felt bad for Sam Darnold. Because once again, I'm a Notre Dame fan. I know Sam Darnold could play, but he's just in a bad, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago on the podcast, he's just in a bad situation. Like if Sam Darnold was in Buffalo, like, I don't want Sam Darnold per se, but if Sam Darnold was in Buffalo, we'd probably be Super Bowl contenders. You think he's that good? Everything positive from that game for the Jets side came from him. They had a lot of drop passes. He was under duress and got Le'Veon Bell. Once again, we talk about situations. Le'Veon Bell went from a couple of years ago being with Pittsburgh, being a I would say he was a Hall of Fame, like he was on his way to the Hall of Fame. Now. He's just a guy. 
He's just a guy, and he betted on himself, and he lost. I felt bad for those two guys. <laughs> okay, you've got a couple of hot takes there, and, and we, we need to unpack these a little bit because you think Sam Darnold is that good that the Bills would be a Super Bowl team if he were on? I, I mean, he hasn't shown that he's – I mean – he was missing open receivers. Jamison Crowder kept getting open, and Sam Darnold w- was missing them, even when the pass rush wasn't right in his face. I, I don't see where he's that much better than Josh Allen. I mean, he does make some some throws that are more accurate than, than Allen does. More consistently, he threads the needle with them. But, you know, he throws some pretty boneheaded interceptions, and, boy, I... I just don't think I'm ready to say that. I mean, would you say he's like a top 15 quarterback? No, because he's not going to look like that because of the situation he's in. But if he, I I feel like watching that game, if he had our receivers and our team and our coaching, then he would look a heck of a lot better. Okay. Okay. So um, regarding Josh Allen, we, we do have to talk a little bit more about this. You, you mentioned it. Is it time to admit that after fumbling 18 times in the last 18 games and 26 times in 30 games that Josh Allen has a fumbling problem? Yeah, and he said it. He said it in the postgame. He was like, he got to clean that up, and he knows it. So that's not a criticism that I'm scared that it'll get back to him or nothing like I'm talking behind his back. He said it himself. My thing is this. We drafted Zach Moss. Because Devin Singletary put it on the carpet too much last year. Yeah. So what are they saying about Josh Allen? You know, and it's kind of like, and it, and uh, people were talking about is fumbling worse than an interception. Well, what I was looking for this week, and once again, I know it comes off as a criticism. I wish he would have complete. Once again, we're playing against the worst pass defense in the league. One of them. I wish we could complete some downfield passes and show off that brand new car we got in Stephon Diggs a little more and John Brown, like going deep and over the top instead of 10, 20 yard passes going deep, right? And so my thing is, I don't want to come off as criticizing. Um, you're, you're you're getting close. It's yeah. sounding like it, but but these but this is how you feel, and I understand why you feel this way. It's because you want Josh Allen to be what we think he can be, right? Because I don't want I don't want the problem that the Cowboys is having. And should we pay him like Tannehill? Miami paid Tannehill all that money. Like I want to know this. Like I didn't learn anything from this game. That's all I'm saying. Like I so I wish we could have went over the top and uh, went downfield a little more to our receivers, although I feel like our receivers had great games. Our receivers did have good games, and you know I think a lot of that had to do with the uh, offensive design. I think Brian Dable put in a fantastic offense for this week and did a great job of play calling, too. Right. Now, you can criticize him for saying Josh Allen was carrying the ball too much, and a lot of those were inside zone reads. I, I think that is on Allen for pulling the ball back as opposed to handing the ball off. I, I think there's a lot of teams that run that play, but you know the quarterback is never actually going to run with the ball. He's an, he's definitely a weapon out there, and you do want to use all of your weapons. The question sort of became when they were using him. When you're up by 21 points, do you really want your quarterback getting hit? Exactly. 
And so what I was trying to say when I uh, lost my train of thought, I would have rather him throw two interceptions than have two fumbles. But with those interceptions, I want him to go downfield more. So if you if you go deep and you complete a long pass and you try to go deep again and throw an interception, I would be, be that'll be better to me. I would be cool with that. You know what I'm saying? But if you you know he's playing once again, Tyrod Taylor is like I don't want to make a mistake. Like the only bad throw he really threw was um, I don't know if it was a drive with the fumble, but he threw it to like double coverage in the end zone and it got batted down. It could have got picked off. Right. And I'm like. Oh, don't throw across your body. No, no. And then they dropped it. And I think we went for a right. field goal after that. That's why I'm saying, like, if, I don't mind two interceptions over fumbles if you're going to pass the ball and go deep a little bit more. So let's let's talk about just a couple of things that I want to throw at you here uh, regarding Josh Allen running the ball. In the last two years, in a situation where a team is up by 21 points, quarterbacks have run the ball on designed runs 31 times in each of the last two years. So it's something that happens very rarely. And Brian Dable, I know you're listening. Don't do that anymore. I agree. <laughs> I don't understand why we're running running here. And Sal Capaccio talked about it in the Extra Point show. He says statistics show that People get hurt. Quarterbacks get hurt more often in the pocket than they do on run plays, and that could very well be true. But it's also situational football. We didn't have to run him and put our franchise quarterback in harm's way against the New York Jets. That's that's the problem I have. I don't mind him running. If we got to run the ball to get past San Francisco, or we got to get uh, run the ball to get past Kansas City, then so be it. But this game, once again, you have a better roster. You have a better team. You're at home. We're six, seven-point favorites. Just go in, win the game, and come out healthy. And don't put your quarterback in harm's way. And so I, I disagree with that. I mean, there's no way he should have been having design power runs and putting him in harm's way. We concur, and I think most fans do as well. So, uh, big man, I'm going to give you one thing I like. And one thing I don't like. Okay. And, and I want to hear what you have to say about them. One thing that I like, the Brian Dable passing offense. Spread the ball around. There were eight receivers with at least two catches, led by Stefan Diggs, who uh, had eight catches on nine targets. Gabriel Davis gets on in on the action. The rookie, the fourth rounder. He had two receptions, and he actually played 43% of the snaps most of them out of the slot and also some in the Z position, which is what John Brown plays as well. I was happy to see that. It shows me that, hey, we think this guy can go up there and get the ball. I like it. Here's what I don't like. The Buffalo Bills running backs had 18 carries for 41 yards. We know the Jets have a good defense, but come on, offensive line. You've got to open up some holes. I agree. And um, going back to Josh Allen real quick, I mean, maybe he felt like for us to have any kind of rushing, we had to have design runs for him. Um, going back to uh, Gabriel Davis, did you notice he made the start? No, I didn't. He yeah. started in place of Cole Beasley? No, he, he. we started the game, our first offensive series, we started with like four receivers on the field. Yes, four wide. Four wide, and he was in there. And I'm like, oh, look at the rookie getting in there. So that felt good. You know, making his first, you know, NFL game, he get to start the game. That's awesome. 
That that is fantastic, and they used a lot of four wide, and that makes a lot of sense because the Jets have a bad secondary. Pierre Desir got benched, and he was supposed to be their number one guy. If you have cornerbacks that are as bad as the Jets, you definitely want to see what that number three and four guy look like because you know you can run all over those guys, and that's why I think you wanted to see the Bills go down the field a bit more, but. I got to tell you, I was really content with the rhythm that they set up with the short passes, the screens. They actually worked this time around, whereas last year it seemed like the screen game could never really get going. I agree. I agree. Um, And once again, I'm nitpicking. I'm happy we got the win. Once again, it's a check mark. Um, But once again, we're nitpicking Josh Allen at this point to see his progression. And uh, he won the game at a career high, so that's good. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about something that I know we're both going to like. Yeah. The defense. They were tough, weren't they? Oh man! Outside of the missed tackle and the long touchdown, I mean, they had almost a perfect day. Uh, Trip Murphy once again looks sprightly. He did a great job. And what about and he started? What about Justin Zimmer? What about the call up from the practice squad? And he got in there and got the tackle for loss in the first in the first quarter. How about that? Nobody talked about that. Yes, he uh, he took the place of Vernon Butler, who is out with uh, with an injury. And yeah, this guy who they brought him in late in camp too. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a guy that I didn't think we were ever going to see or hear from again. And there he is making plays. They obviously have a a next man up mentality out there. And the defensive line in particular was was something to watch. Um, Did you notice that Jerry Hughes was switching sides? He was rushing uh, a bit from the right defensive end position. Yep. Moving around, trying to get a good matchup, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I liked seeing it. And obviously, that's telling me that uh, Mario Addison is not comfortable rushing from the left side. So they have Hughes and uh, and Trent Murphy splitting reps over on the right-hand side, which may have been a good thing. I wonder if their tape showed them that Sam Darnold, when he could see the defensive end coming after him, it's more disruptive to him than when it's uh, coming from his blind side. And Mario Addison had a great game too, man. He had tackles, had sacks, had uh, tackles for loss, man. I mean, he was all on the stat sheet. That's very yes. good, man. That's very good. Um, the negative about the D-line is, did you notice uh, who didn't dress out for the game? I sure did. And this, you know what? An indictment, as a matter of fact, A.J. Epinesa, yeah. a healthy scratch. That's 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 kind of worrisome. I mean, it's kind of good, the fact that we got uh, D-linemen ahead of him. That shows the talent, but... I think that's also saying for the naysayers that maybe he ain't ready to play. But we knew he was going to be a project, but the fact that you don't even dress, that's that's problematic. You you need your second-round draft pick to be getting reps in real games. Otherwise, you missed by a mile on that pick. Yeah. And I haven't heard anything so far. At the time of this recording, I haven't heard anything yet. Uh, about why it was that they didn't think he needed to be out there on the field. But going back to something that I did like, Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver only had a half tackle. He had an assist. But that 
the stat sheet says nothing about how well he played. That guy was, he was an animal out there. He was, he was creating so much havoc in the Jets' backfield. He was pushing their blockers around. He was he was plugging holes. He was forcing the the Jets' runners to bounce outside. He was collapsing the pocket on passing plays. He was fantastic, and his pl- his playing time took a huge jump forward last year. He played fifty three percent of the snaps. This game, he tied Jerry Hughes with the highest percentage on the defensive line at sixty eight point four percent. This is a guy who the coaching staff is unleashing on the league this year. I love him, man. This is what we we were expecting when we plucked him in the first round, man. I tell you, he was out there getting it in. And uh, Harrison Phillips also, he looked pretty uh, good on the D-line and uh, getting pushed and stuff and coming off that injury also. So I'd say our tackles did a pretty good job, man, all day. Yes. You need to look no further than the Jets averaging three yards a carry. And you know that the tackles did their job. Yes. One thing I didn't like is the fact that our two middle linebackers are arguably two of our best defensive players are out with uh, Tremaine Edmonds and uh, Matt Milano, man. So hopefully tomorrow the uh, report will come out how serious it is or where they are. Um, and if need be, if we got to sit them this week, sit them, man. Hopefully we can get by Miami without them and uh, get ready for the following week. Now, the rumors I'm seeing on Twitter as of the time of this recording is that they are day-to-day and may well play this upcoming week, which is fantastic because they're really, the Bills are in a really bad position because if they're injured, we also don't know the extent of the injuries that happened to the two backups, Delshawn Phillips and Tyrell Dotson. We ended up seeing... Uh, AJ Klein out on the field. So I guess AJ Klein was the main backup. Mm. And then those other two got injured. So you saw Klein and Tyler Medikevich out there, number 44, who actually also took some offensive snaps as a, uh, as a blocker. But you do not want Medikevich on the field as, as a linebacker. That's not what he does. He's a little undersized for the position. He's, he's not cut off with that. He's a special teamer only. In my mind, if we can get by Miami without them, so be it to get ready for the following week because we got two uh, difficult games coming in after that. So, I mean, if they can play, fine. But in my mind, maybe I'm being naive. I would love for them to just sit and get healthy, man. That would be good if we can be assured of bad fits playing uh, on Sunday. I mean, we bad fits played this past weekend in which he threw three interceptions are we going to have that? Or are we going to have the Fitz who throws for 450 yards? <laughs> well, if we got to get in a shootout with Fitz, so be it. But once again, it comes down to just, you have to beat Ryan Fitzpatrick. Look at, um, it goes no further than look at the Green Bay, uh, Minnesota game yesterday. That was a daggum shootout, man. Aaron Rodgers put up 400 some yards and scored 40 some points. So if you got to get in a shootout with Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, so be it. My thing is this. Sometimes, like, the first half looked so good because we were on script, okay? We scored what we were supposed to score, except for the fumbles. We were pretty much on script. Everything went right. Third quarter, it felt like nothing went right. We opened the opening kickoff. We go three and out. You know, we start to lose momentum. They scored 10 points. So... My thing is, we got to see if Josh Allen 
could win it on his own. So if we got to score 40 points to beat Miami, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. You got to be able to do that if you're the guy. Because I don't think, once again, maybe I'm naive, but I don't think much of the Miami Dolphins. I said it on Twitter. I got to it with a Miami fan on Twitter. <laughs> I don't yeah, I, th- I think I was partially the cause of that. You were. And I, and well, I stuck up for you because ain't nobody going to mess with my boy. That's how I get oh, that. thank you. You know? But, I've always uh, needed somebody to protect my scrawny ass. <laughs> but if you're going to talk <laughs> trash, yeah, I said it. I said what I said. I don't think much of the Jets, and I don't think much of the Miami Dolphins. And the fact that you got Cam Newton in New England, and it was a it was a uh, uh, it was a dog fight between y'all two. I don't really think much of New England. I mean, so mm-hmm. that's why I said we should win all of those games, and I'm sticking to it. So Josh Allen, you have to if you gotta you gotta outdo Fitz, even when things ain't going right, you gotta beat him. Yeah. It, absolutely. That's true. And you know what? They say football games come down to about four plays, but four plays were the difference between the Bills scoring 27 and scoring 40. Yep. If you take away the missed field goals and the the second Josh Allen fumble, you're looking at potentially a 13-point swing right there. And I, I that that's kind of what gave the Jets some momentum. That's when they went down and scored after that. Now, that was a, a busted play because Tremaine Edmonds got, got injured on that one. But, you know, you have, you have the potential of putting up 40 points against a team that isn't very good. That bodes well. They just have to get over the hump and, and get there. And I think they can, you know. I, I was listening to Chopin the Bulldog a little bit yesterday, and the Bulldog pointed something out. He said that far too many times in watching the Buffalo Bills, you would realize that the other team was simply working on some things. They knew they had the game in hand, so they were going to try to you know, get some get certain players in or work on certain plays. And he said, in his eyes, that was happening yesterday. And I think that them running the ball, especially to Moss late in the game, was them working on running the ball, trying to get some some continuity in the offensive line, getting Cody Ford used to playing that right guard position. Right. And thank God we have a position for Cody Ford at this point. It should have been guard all along. Uh, let's hope he uh, he can stick with it. Yeah, I saw Williams made the start. I was surprised. I was looking for Ty Seki. To be in there. So that was interesting how they, they started Williams and then put uh, Cody Ford in right guard. Well, I think the reason they did that is because Williams doesn't have the ability to play the right side. So if Inseki is playing on on the left side or on the right side and Deion Dawkins gets hurt, I don't think that Williams can go over to the left side. So he they don't want him to be a swing tackle. They want Inseki to be the backup almost exclusively for the left tackle. Yeah, that makes sense. Going back to to the offensive line, I wasn't thrilled with them. Yeah. You know, if if your running backs are only putting up 41 yards on 18 carries, I mean that's barely over 2 yards. The offensive line isn't getting the job done. Yeah, and and I pretty much knew that was going to be problematic cuz we knew we talked about the Jets in their front seven. It was going to be pretty difficult. So coming out the gate to go against that D line and that front, 
I mean, not get a warm up, then that's 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 pretty bad. And speaking of fronts, did you see the uh Washington football team, man? Oh my god. Big comeback by them. Who knew they had that in them, huh? They got all those players on their D line, man. I was like, oh, I'm glad we played them last year. You know, I had to play them this year. Jeez Louise. Yeah. But yeah, talking about D linemen, man, the Jets. The Jets have one of the better ones, so I think they'll have an easier time running the football this weekend versus the Dolphins in Miami. I I think that'll be the case too. And the Dolphins, they're a different breed, and they'll be broken down, or that upcoming game will be broken down a little bit more on the Believe podcast, which is another podcast I partake in, uh, which comes out every Saturday. That's, that's a shameless plug. You realize that? Don't be plugging oh, yeah. other shows. We know you got other shows. You ain't got to plug your other shows during my time, dude. Uh, oh, but I thought you understood my, my utter lack of pride. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. Um, Did you see, going back to the Miami game, you see they got tickets available on StubHub. Um, I think you could get in the building up at the – 400 level for like $75. So my question to you, Jamie, is would you fly to Miami and sit in the nosebleeds for $70 and avoid the COVID masks, social distancing to see our beloved bills? I wouldn't because I would have to get there by flying and I'm just not ready to be in an airplane unless I have to. It seems like a luxury decision as opposed to a necessity, so I would probably skip it. Um, my wife works for the National Institute of Health, and you know she has a master's degree in in public health policy. Um, she's a person whose advice I choose to follow for a variety of reasons, but namely because this is you know what she does for a living, and when she tells me that I shouldn't be flying, I tend to believe her. And she's smarter than you, so that's the main reason. That's one of the that's one of the reasons. <laughs> that's one of the reasons. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm I'm with you. I'm not there at this point yet. Not saying that I haven't made moves out here since Virginia's been in phase three as of uh, July second or third. I have been moving around, but I do mask up. I try to my best at social distance. I'm just not comfortable, I don't think, going to an NFL game at this point. It's not worth taking the risk to me, although at the same time, from a spectator's point of view, watching the game on TV, I did like seeing fans in the stands and hearing the crowd noise. The pumped-in crowd noise was more of an annoyance because it just didn't seem authentic to me. Yeah, I was talking to my father-in-law about that this morning when we was doing the recap. And he said, you know, I was like, you know, hey, what did you think about the games? Like, man, without the fans, I really just couldn't get into it. But I think with the Kango angles and the tight shots, I really didn't notice it was empty until they talked about it. And maybe right. because I was, once again, I was so giddy that we had football. And I guess I, in my mind, I knew what it was going to be because of the bubble with the NBA. I've been watching mm-hmm. that since the beginning. And so... I guess my mind was already set that, okay, it's going to be a fan. But on Saturday, I mean, once again, I'm a Notre Dame fan. It was, you know, I think 20% capacity. So it was a pretty good crowd there. And they pump in the noise. So it felt real because you see the kids dancing and stuff in the stands. Yes. And, you know, the Thursday night game, you know, that it seemed like they had quite a bit of crowd noise in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
you know, they've always been accused of pumping in crowd noise, and now that they can do it officially, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, from an observer's point of view, it was probably better to be watching the game with the crowd noise. I think I've liked that better than an empty stadium. But at the same time, I find it very interesting when you're watching Major League Baseball and you can hear what they're saying to each other and the conversations that are happening. Right. And I know that in football, you're going to have some pretty nasty language that's being used, just like you you are in baseball. But I would be interested to hear more of that because unlike you, I never did play, especially on the level you did. I would love to hear the conversations that are going on. And speaking of uh, watching the games and stuff, so you went out to the bullpen and you watched it with the Bills back as a DC. How was that atmosphere? That was a lot of fun. Now everybody had to stay seated at their table, so it was it was more of a, a tame atmosphere. But I've got to hand it to the uh, Washington D.C. Bills backers, um, Gregory Wall and Stacy Hausa. They they found us a, a nice location, sitting outside. Uh, less than a block away from Nats Park where the Washington Nationals play. It it was pretty cool uh, to have it all on the big screen and to see a bunch of familiar faces. And by the way, your boy, Jeff Adamschick, who's a a fellow Notre Dame fan with you, Mm -hmm. I was having a conversation with him and he told me that I need to chill on my criticism of Josh Allen. I was really annoyed that Cole Beasley had to hit the turf in order to pull in that, that throw, that Looked like it could have been a touchdown. At least James Lofton said it could have been a touchdown if it was accurate. He's like, give me a break, man. They're moving the ball. He's completing his – you're you're nitpicking and you're being too hard on him. And I was like, okay, yeah, I think – I think you're right. I do want every pass to be perfect. And when it's not, I get annoyed. He's not Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) And that goes to the psychology of a fan because I'm sure it's two groups. You got the guys – who don't talk about my quarterback and F you and all that. But it's like, okay, if you're watching the game, maybe it's, I guess it could be considered nitpicking, but that's what we said that this season is going to be. We're going to analyze Josh Allen to see if he got better. And then when you look at those throws and stuff, you got to be kind of cynical about it. But you got some fans, and it's like even with the kids, you got some parents that, oh, my kid don't do no wrong and F you. You talk bad about my kid, I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, no, nah, my kid do wrong. I'll be the first one to tell you that my kids did wrong. And I think this is the same thing about Josh Allen. He's so polarizing. He's almost like Donald Trump. Either you love him or you hate him. All right? And so I think Josh Allen's the same. And I, and I feel like I would be the same way. If we play a good team and we lose, I'm going to be the same way. Hey, he did some good things. He did some bad things. So I, I, I can see how Jeff would be like that, and I'm sure a lot of fans hear us talking, are they, and they're the same way with it, because this is a polarizing situation, because it's a lot riding on the line. Not only the season, but the quarterback position, and knowing he's the franchise guy. I'm a Bills fan, and I like Josh Allen. I'm a Josh Allen fan. I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback yet, but the strangest thing with me is there are some people, like you said, if they're a fan of their a team, their children, whatever it happens to be, if somebody criticizes them, they get so angry. Yep. I, on the other hand, am so pessimistic about my teams. I am the biggest Buffalo Bills pessimist I've ever met. And maybe it's from years of being disappointed, you know, with, with the playoff drought and stuff like that. But I'm pessimist 
I'm pessimistic to the point where it's almost unreasonable. And I, I hate that I'm like this. When I run into fellow fans who are of the opposite mindset, they start telling me I, I'm not really a fan. And I'm always saying to them, you know, you don't have to be delusional in order to root for the team. Right. And they say, well, yes, you kind of do. Well, this is probably a conversation for another time. Well, yeah, I think that's the difference. Fan is short for fanatic. And you got some people that are fanatic and they don't care. I mean, that goes to personalities. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. I think especially us as, you know, educated people, it's cool to disagree as long as you're not disrespectful. Now, once you get disrespectful, then I'm going to get disrespectful. You know what I'm saying? But I will politely debate you on football if you want to talk. I will do that with anybody. But the thing about it is that it's nothing wrong with being how you are. And one thing about it is that's one thing I enjoy about being with the backers, no matter it's D.C. backers or other cities we go to. I love over the last 20 some years, we haven't really had much to cheer about. So it's really not your fault that you're cynical. I enjoy the fans more than I enjoy the games because we really ain't had. No, I mean, I would go out of town to see Buffalo play, spend all my money knowing that we're pretty much going to lose. But I have a good time with Bill's Mafia, and I have a great time with, you know, the backers. That's what makes it worth it. So I enjoy the camaraderie and the dialogue more than I love the actual game. So I think that's the reason. We just got good the last couple of years. So I don't think nothing's wrong with that. I, I love the way you put that. The, the sense of community is definitely something that drives all of Bill's Mafia, it seems. Now, Here's something interesting. There have been studies done, and you had brought up the the polarizing nature of politics. Do you know uh, that sports forums tend to have the greatest amount of civility of any type of public forum in specifically team-related forums? So like our site, Buffalo Rumblings, Mm -hmm. on average, and, and they've, like I said, they've done studies on this. The comment section in Buffalo Rumblings will have greater levels of civility and understanding than any other type of comment section. And you know why? It's because everybody there is starting from the same point, which is being a fan of the team. Now, occasionally you get people from other teams that are coming over to see what's happening. And even those people in the from the SB Nation family of websites, even those people are respectful. And, you know, the other part of it is that we have good moderators who block people who are being uncivil. But, you know, that that's a different story. I just think that it's really cool, especially in these times of extreme political polarization. Yeah. I want to thank everyone for listening to Jamie D and Big Newt. We do this every Wednesday. We're coming at you again next week. We're going to talk. We're going to talk dolphins and some rams next week. Thank you for joining us this time. Big Newt, you got something to say? Hey, hey, hey. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Right now, businesses are facing tough choices. Do you cut costs or drive growth? Solve for today or build for tomorrow? Do you satisfy your shareholders or satisfy your customers? The answer is 
Yes, you don't have to choose. With the intelligent platform for digital business from ServiceNow, you can say yes to unifying your existing systems and yes to accelerating growth. Visit servicenow.com to see how we can help you put yes to work. The world works with ServiceNow.